0: welcome to praxis pedagogy podcast this podcast is about the practice of honing our craft as educators life is an apprenticeship and we want to build a guild of educators where we can all come together learn from each other rant with each other and center our praxis and our pedagogy so we can become better in our craft Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Praxis Pedagogy Podcast. This is a special one. This is episode 34 and uh, we're calling it the community of practice live session number one. That's right. This one was live with Chad and Ed and myself, and it was the first of three live sessions that we did around the idea of building a community of practice for trades educators. Now, the impetus for this was Ed Logan, who teaches at Durham College out in Ontario, and Ed and Chad and I connected through the interweb, through socials, and we've bonded around our common interest and passion about trades education as well as developing our own trajectories as trades educators. And so this is the first recorded session. You can also find it on my YouTube channel and I'll put the uh, link to that in the uh, show notes. This is quite possibly a new and welcome addition to the podcast. We might be doing more of these. So uh, if you like it, let us know. Uh, It'd be awesome. It's entitled Practitioners and Philosophers why did we choose to go into education? So thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you on the other side. Yeah, you got us. Ed's got us. We're good. Nice <laughs> Hey, woohoo. All right. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, thanks everybody for, uh, I don't know if anybody's here or not, but uh, this is good. This is good. This is the first live performance. Can you tell? (laughs) We're we're 23 minutes late. We've been logged on since 630. And, uh, you know, this is kind of the way it goes. But uh, in all seriousness, and I'm trying not to laugh because it's just so stinking funny. Uh, this is, this is what we ask our students to do all the time. Mm -hmm. Isn't it? Like get into new, get into new tech, put this on your computer, log on at this time. What do you mean you can't get in? What do you mean it's not working? (laughs) Right. And then it's like, okay, well, I'm going to cut the rope to your lifeboat and let you float away. And I'm just going to continue on with my class. But, um, amazing yeah so hopefully this is going well on the youtube side and and people are clicking in i don't know chad are you going on twitter saying we're
1: live now i'm gonna try i will do that right now yeah i'll I'll say it's live and i'll put the link to the session right now yeah cool okay and
0: um (laughs)
2: <laughs> I, I guess, I guess we needed more than two plumbers and an electrician to go alive.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I guess. Right. But it's kind of one of those things where it's, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to do 18 things at once here, but, um, anyway, t- so today's session is about, um, pra- practitioners and philosophers and that's us, right? So we have a philosophy of education. We have an approach to education. That's, uh, That's significant and has probably been a a game changer for us as we've entered into this thing called um, vocational education and training Uh, TVET, as some would call it in the broader context of technical vocational education and training. So uh, Chad, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you got into teaching in the first place and maybe a little bit of
1: how. Okay. So the reason why I got in teaching is it had always been kind of a dream of mine through the high school. I thought I wanted to be a high school teacher. And then mm-hmm. I, then I, after that, so I kind of started pursuing that track. I went to college and then I realized that I, I, I wasn't kind of ready for that. So mm-hmm. I ended up kind of pursuing a lot of things. I kind of, I did the typical find yourself in college route where I took a lot of philosophy courses, a lot of English lit courses, I delved into the School of Divinity for a while. So I I took all these different tracks and I realized that I needed to, um, I needed to pay off some student loans, to be honest. I had a huge amount of student loans to find myself and wanted to take a year off to go ahead and pay those down a bit. And so what happened was I started a lawn care company with a friend and then as all summers do, it came to an end and so did the, the lawns that needed to be cut. So this friend of mine had a cousin whose dad owned an electrical firm and they needed oh, yeah. somebody to help out for a couple of weeks, so I ended up helping out for a couple of weeks. We always joke still that that was the longest two weeks of all of our lives because it ended up working <laughs> into a four year apprenticeship. So I ended up doing an apprenticeship, and I fell in love with the trade. And it was funny because it was one of those things I never thought I would ever do. I always vowed I would never be a tradesperson because my dad was an engineer and would always loan me out to all his contractor friends. So I hated working on the tools. Fell in love with the trades. Um, went up to Fort McMurray, fell in love with working with apprentices. Like I really enjoyed that part of it, really enjoyed the mentorship, which sparked Mm -hmm. the teaching thing in me again. And so I was up in the oil sands and decided that I needed to get back down to the lower mainland to the Vancouver area where I was from. I just had a son and it was time to get closer to family. So I was looking for work and the British Columbia Institute of Technology had an ad out looking for an electrical instructor. And I thought there is no way I'm going to get this job, but I'll do the hail Mary and throw it in there. Cause I always thought that (laughs) teaching was one of those retirement jobs. Right. And that's something that maybe I would do later on when I was towards the end of my career. But I applied and got a phone call the next day from the chief instructor, flew down from Fort McMurray, did the interview, did a couple interviews and got the job. And then from there, when, as I started teaching, and it was one of those situations where, as with a lot of vocational instructors, out of industry on a Friday in front of a class on a Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started kind of learning just by this, through the school of hard knocks and putting my feet to the fire. And then lucky for us at the school I taught at, they put us through a program called the PID, which is a provincial instructor's diploma. Mm-hmm. And I started learning a lot about this term called pedagogy. So how people learn and uh, theories of learning and all that. And I started falling in love with that. And wanted to get into adult education in a deeper sense because I was already teaching vocational. And through all that, kind of fell in love with that, finished my PID up, started experimenting with different things that I'd learned through the PID. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later on too, especially in this afternoon session. I'll talk about that. Yeah, And then uh, ended up pursuing my master's in learning and technology. And I'm just finishing up on that. So that's kind of the meandering trail of how I got here. Okay. And how about you? How'd you get into it?
2: Um, well, I, I think I kind of just fell into it in a way because I remember when I was in uh, trade school myself, mm-hmm. I, had a, I had, a few good teachers, really, really good teachers. And I thought to myself, my God, that would be a great job. I could do that. I could, <laughs> I could stand up there in front of the class. You know, I, I, I love talking and, uh, I, I'm very, you know, I think I'm very sociable and right. And, and anyway, so when, when I had, uh, I don't know if it was how many years after, but I, I put it like a general application into the school, the college where I got my training at. And, uh, I decided I'll put it in They're looking for, you know, general application. I won't get a call. And I don't know how many years later, I got a call. All of a sudden I said, there it is. I see Durham college up on my, my call display. I'm like, why are they calling me? I've, I've been gone for a long time. What do they want? Right. Cause I had all, <laughs> I had forgot about it. I had forgotten. I hadn't even put it in. And then, uh, sure enough, it was just, you know, near the end of the year but before Christmas, they were looking for, uh, uh, part-time instructors for the uh, January start. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went in and, uh, you know, work was kind of slow at the time. So I was like, I'm gung-ho for anything. I, wanna, I don't want to be on unemployment. I want to make some money. So, and, <laughs> and par- apparently I put an application in, so I, I guess I'm going to give it a go. Right. I, I always, I always mm-hmm. thought it was kind of cool. It doesn't look like a hard job really. Too. It looks like a fun job. Right. And uh, so I, that i hard. No, I, I want to, <laughs> I went in for the interview and uh, sure enough that the the two things they were looking for were either a teacher to teach uh, safety, which I was really big on mm-hmm. and I had taken a lot of courses. So I felt really confident. I'm like, Oh yeah, I could, I could teach that. I'm really, I'm big on safety and I've done. So I thought, you know, it would ease taking the job that they were offering to me. And the other thing where they were offering was a uh, uh, plumbing trade calculations. of the math, right. And I was right. always, I was always good at math. Like in trade school, I, you know, I had the high nineties. I love math. So, uh, you know, I thought, okay, they're offering me, Then finally, they you know they offered me a position. They said you want to teach, you know, whatever one you want to teach of the two, and I said sure. Sure enough, I'll I'll give it. I thought you know I put the application (laughs) in. I said it was easy. Let's let's try it out and see how it goes, right? (laughs) Nice. uh, um, Lucky for me, before I I started, there was that break over the holidays, and so um, just before the holidays started, they had a. Uh, the school was offering uh they do like a jumps what they call a jump start program like a two-day kind of crash course especially for new part-time teachers like sure. chat like chat said right because you're one day you mm-hmm. you finish next day you're starting as a teacher right so mm-hmm. i did that over the weekend and uh and moved on from there so
0: nice nice yeah i i kind of I, I didn't think i would get a job teaching and um it, it long story short, somebody said to me, Oh, you should go apply BCIT. They're looking for instructors. And I'm like, nah, I know, I know the gig I, I'd known a few people tried to get in and they just got chewed up and spit out. And so one day, a couple of weeks later, I'm driving by BCIT on my way home from a, uh, from a job site. And I'm like, oh, I'll just stop in and talk to the chief instructor. Cause he and I sat on a committee together and uh, he convinced me to throw an application in. And literally two weeks later, I'm in, I'm, I'm accepting an offer to, to come and teach mm-hmm. for a contract term or a contract. It was like six weeks or eight weeks. And there was, and the thing is, is that there was no promise. Like this wasn't a full-time to full-time gig. Like this is a full-time working for an established contractor going into a contract going, uh, well, if it doesn't work out in eight weeks, I guess I'm going back to the field. Right. And so it's mm-hmm. one of those things where you, you kind of hang your coveralls up in the, in the coat, closet near the door and you're like I may need these in a couple months so I'm not going to throw them out just yet and that became the running joke for oh almost pardon me almost a year where it's like so should I break out my car hearts again or what's going on with my contract am I going to get renewed and so I got renewed you know a couple three-month contracts and then near the end of the year somebody had retired and and then, uh, another, and actually two people retired at pretty much the same time. So got in and that was 11 and a half, 12 years ago. So yeah. it's fun. Best gig ever. Yeah. And, um, I'm still a little nervous talking to people about the, the benefits of what we get to do. Um, cause not a lot of people get to do what we get to do. And, uh, it's, it's a privilege and an honor. So, um, that's how we fell into it. Tell me a little bit about your educational philosophy, Chad. Where did you start from? Where are you now? And maybe one or two things that have been a significant impact on that growth.
1: Uh, for where I started from teaching, as I always, because I had such a vast background, I like because I, I'd gone to community college, I'd gone to university, I'd gone to trade school. I experienced a broad range of different teaching styles. And I always saw certain styles that were very typical of the stand up and talk for three hours in front of a class type of thing, not really engaging, just kind of spewing information. I thought I never want to do that. That's not my jam. I want to be more interactive. So I always kind of when I went into it, not knowing anything about pedagogy or the practice of teaching, I just knew that I wanted to engage with my students. So I wanted to build it it was an opportunity to build relationships. So that's kind of been the guiding principle of everything. And so is how to make these things, how to make education more engaging for our students, realizing that it's important for our students to learn the theory behind all this, but there's also, it's like the classroom is also time to teach our students how to be better people as well. And if my students can leave my classroom better than when they showed up. And I know that I leave my classroom better for having these relationships with them. If that could be my guiding principle, Well, then that's that kind of is the lens that I look through with everything. So when I'm trying to get my learning outcomes built for my class, like, yes, it's important that my students understand parallel circuits, but it's more important that they learn how to troubleshoot and collaborate. So I really focus a lot on group work and and kind of throw little curveballs at them that they can use in their group work to kind of work together and figure out how that's going to work, because. Yes. A, they learn how to do a parallel circuit, but B, they also learn how to work within that group, which is what it's going to be like when they're in industry. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's something that uh, has really kind of guided me is it's got to be about the student first, which I know is I'm preaching to the choir when I talk to you two, as well as a lot of people who are watching this, but it's got to be student centered learning. And so we need to focus on that. It doesn't, it's not about me at all. It's, I'm not the focal point. And I think that's one thing I really didn't like about some of the, instruction i received all through the years of my post secondary education there was a lot of the the instructor show so flipping that and turning it into it's all about the, it's this the show is on the students they're the hero of this story not me so right yeah right. awesome ed same question
2: yeah i i, I kind of fell in the when i first started it was kind of like it was about me i don't I don't want to say what it was, it was mm-hmm. but it was about me i didn't want to i didn't want to i i wanted present an education for the students and also not fall on my face. Right. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be that, that teacher that I knew that everybody always talked about, look at that guy. You can't, you can't even teach. Like we're not getting anything out. We could could stay home and read a textbook. We could go online and find this out. I want to make sure that they, they, I want to make sure that they had more. So, I mean, but at the same time, I realized that, you know, I I try to focus on role models that I knew. Mm-hmm. And and the role I knew were always kind of like that student focus, right? They wanted to make sure they, like t- like uh, Chad mentioned, you got the full kind of experience, right? And so I knew then early on, I, I you know I'm, I'm I do not have all the skills yet, yeah. but I'm gonna I'm gonna pick away the, the little skills along the way. I'm gonna take mm-hmm. little. So that's where my my pedagogy kind of it's changed, where it's it really is that student focus, and I want them to get the most out of it, yeah. and uh, you know try to look at the something new. I'm always looking for, to try and, uh, change things up a bit, right. Just to see if I, am I really maximizing, you know, the potential and trying and get them the most out of them. Right. And, and to have them the, the most well-rounded when they leave, right. To enter the field. So, uh, and it's definitely changed a lot more since the, the online world. So, I mean, uh, I think I'm, I, I think I was empathetic before, but I think I'm way more empathetic now than I was before. So, uh, it's focused on the studio and it's also being more empathetic because of the, the world we live in. Right. So, and, yeah. uh, and trying to be trying to be open to that as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, am kind of the same way when I first started, it was all about me. I thought I was the guy to come and bring all this stuff and, and distribute it to the students. Although I did have a, I did have a sense of, you know, why I was there. It wasn't just for me. Um, and, and I'll be honest, like at the beginning, it's a good gig, right? It's you're out of the field. You're not, you're not doing all the physical labor stuff. And, uh, um, you know, you, you, don't have to worry about working overtime, showing up early and all this, like it's there, it's just, it's seven thirty to two for us. And, uh, there's a set curriculum and you have a number of students for a period of time and then you roll it over and you keep going and you keep going. Um, I soon realized though that it was a massive career change. It wasn't just a shift. Uh, it was a career change. And then I did the PID and, uh, for a lot of different circumstances, I didn't have the two years to get it done in. I had like eight months to get it done. And so I, I just cranked it out in eight months and, and got it done um, and learned, learned a lot. We didn't talk a lot about pedagogy um, that I remember. I'd have to go maybe because we did it so fast. I didn't really land on it too quickly. Um, but we, I don't remember us talking a lot about pedagogy. We, we talked a lot about the, the, the practical stuff. Like how do you, how do you put a lesson plan together? How do you, how do you, how do you do a presentation? How do you, how do you make sure that um, your content is, is up to speed and and all that other stuff. But we didn't really talk a lot about pedagogy. Like I don't remember people using that word. And I know I would remember that word because it it wasn't, it wasn't a common word uh, in that environment that I was in the new one. And I, and I realized that it was this shift from industry to education is a massive career change. And yes, they hired me as a subject matter expert. Yes, they brought me in to teach 16 apprentices. I, I get all that. And even foundation students that have no experience, I get all that. That part wasn't necessarily different than the field. Because I mean, I ran crews, I had apprentices and all that other stuff. So teaching them what I knew wasn't wasn't different, That just the setting was. What was really different for me was the system. So working with other subject matter experts um, and most, if not all of them, uh, were hired because they were good at what they do and they knew it right. And now becoming a small fish in a big pond again was, uh, um, that was life changing and then evolving into, um, this role in education in our department, um, there's a, there's a lot of people who pick a specialty when it comes to what we do. So some people go into water and, and specifically water distribution and protection and then others go into gas fitting and some others go into hydronic heating and everything was getting locked up and I, I didn't really know which direction to go in. So I, I chose hydronic heating at first and loved it still do and did a lot of it commercially out in the field. And so I understood it all and, and it was natural just still didn't click. And so I made this, I still remember the the, the day and the decision that I made. I'm not, I'm going to go into an education perspective, not a uh, practical perspective. Um, that may sound weird because <laughs> educational education is practical, but I decided because no one in our department was educationally focused. They were all focused on a specific discipline within a discipline. Um, and then when I, I, when I made that switch, it was like, you know, the, the doors opened and the lights came on and, and everything became, everything began to click. And, uh, and that was probably about six years ago, seven years ago. And, um, it's, it's been an awesome trajectory so far. And so when we talk about, um, education and, and TVET, uh, we, we can't avoid the the gap that exists between academia and, and, uh, vocational education. Um, so, I wonder from your perspective, what can we do on the vocational
1: side to help bridge that gap? Between academics and vocational. Yeah. I think in order to bridge that gap is we need to change our language. And we've had this discussion many times where we talk about trades training. And I, I'm wanting to push back on that now. It's not trades training it's trades education. We're not just Mm -hmm. training them to use tools and training them to, to, you know, build things. We're training them to be better people. We're educating them. So that means I also need to look at myself, not as a trainer, but as an educator, I also need mm-hmm. to shift and we need to shift that language from subject matter expert, which I was, I was a great electrician, yep. but now I'm an instructor or an educator. So that to me, that's the thing that I need to this, this shift is these to me, like words mean so much. And and when we start using them in different contexts, it opens things up. So let's get rid of the term training. Let's get rid of those terms, trainers. And then let's Mm -hmm. start using that term education. And there shouldn't be this big divide between TVET and academics because we're all educators and we should, there's stuff that we can do as trades educators that needs that academics could learn from. And there's a whole lot of stuff that we as TVET educators can learn from academics. So we need to stop siloing. Right. And it's like that joke that I kind of mentioned a few times in Twitter, like when we had the podcast or we had a a plumber, a hairdresser, an electrician walk into a bar, we've got the silo of this, this, and this, (laughs) but we're all educators, right? That's why we're all good friends. That's why we all have these great discussions. So yeah. Yeah. Good point. Ed?
2: Yeah, and I, I and I think that some like some institutions like the where, where I work, you know, we we're doing programs together a lot more. Like the trainings getting done together, right? So, um, when I became full time <clears throat> through my institution, we you know we have to do a, a, a like a almost I call it like a teachers program, and it's bringing everybody together. So whether you teach photography, nursing, HR, you know, uh, history, or any kind of trades, you're coming together in the room, and. Uh, I, I think the, the first time that the light bulb came on me for the, you know, that I'm an educator was the first time that one of my students said, professor Ed. And I went, professor, I am a professor. I am an educator. And I, I remember telling the student, by the way, you're going to do well this year, but <laughs> thanks for calling me professor. But, um, <laughs> but, but <laughs> it kind of got a little bit explored there, but um but I remember when I was in the class with the, uh, my other colleagues and, uh, and uh, we were talking about different things and different things that we had done. And a lot of these people had been teaching a lot, a, a lot longer than I had part-time, but mm-hmm. I was throwing ideas out like things I had done in my class. Like, wow, you do that in your class. That's amazing. Or we do that too. I didn't know that you guys could do that in trades. So you know, I said, well, it's, it's education. We're all doing the We're all doing the same thing. You're teaching this person. I'm teaching this person to do this. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're, we're all educators, right? So, I, yeah, I, I agree with the uh, chat. I'm a, I'm a big person on definitions and words and terminology. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in Ontario, they still say trade uh, trade agent. So the, the college is a trade agent for the ministry for whatever uh, trade it is. And that I, I hate so I, matrixy, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I hate it because I hate that that word trainer because I think of myself um, back before I got into plumbing uh, when I first started working, I did a little quick gig as a as a trainer, right? And it really was right. a trainer it was it was very specific, something short, um, but here we're educating, we're educating, we're trying to take someone into the future, into a career, and like uh, Chad had mentioned before, developing the whole outside, you know, the whole themselves, right? So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely think that's a big key. The terminology yeah. and uh, and just and also it's also trying to get the mindset of other fellow teachers who are in the skilled trades to get out of that vocation because some of them are stuck in that and that mindset, too. Right. So it's not about changing the people yeah. on the academic side as well. Also, changing the people on the vocational side that, no, we're, we're all one. We're all actually doing the same thing.
0: Yep. Yeah. That's an interesting point because there's a, there's a colleague I have who says that um, he, he calls himself an educator and he is, and he would often pipe up when this conversation come up or, or do we do, do we do education or do we train? And his comment always was, I train my dog. I educate my students. Mm-hmm. And early on in my career, I'm like, what, what are you talking about? You train your dog and educate students. No, no, no. We're into training. Like we get them into labs and, we get their hands dirty and we build stuff and we take stuff down, we test it. And like, it's, it's, it's a living lab. Right. And, and, and then as, as I began to progress into my career, I, I actually have to give the guy credit cause I'm like, that's you're spot on. Like we are educators. Uh, the, the we, do we do some training? Yes. Do we do some hands on skills building? Yes. Maybe not so much in apprenticeship as we get higher up into the levels for sure. Um, but, uh, especially at the foundation level or entry level trades where these, these students come in, they have no, well, most of them have no experience with tools. Um, they, some of them don't even know how to use a tape measure. And and now you're getting into construction trades, which is, you know, you, you, you live and die by your tape measure, right? All, all your, all your biggest debates in the lunch shack are who has the best tape measure and how, how long has it lasted? Right. But it's, um, it's interesting. And, um, so uh, Lori has a good question and, and she mentions that this is so common, right? Identifying ourselves based on our area of expertise. Like I'm a plumber, I'm an electrician. Oh, I, oh, and, and sometimes I even catch myself doing this and wonder, should I be doing it? And I, cause I often throw in the the little peppering of, well, you know, I teach in the school of business too. I teach a couple of business classes and uh, you know, trying to create that bridge. But I'm wondering if you guys have any thoughts on how we can, support the shift in the mindset other than um, what you've already mentioned, which are, which are good things.
1: Uh, for me, I think, and I think I, I want to pay props to Ed on this is, is building communities of practice and by having uh, yeah. these kind of conversations, right? I, I just threw something in the chat there. Like Ed's that's done that's a great job of like, this was his brainchild, this t- session today. Right. And this like getting us all together, realizing yeah. that we're not alone in this, and having these conversations, like Tim, you and I've been talking for years about this, and for a long yeah. time, you and I sitting in a Starbucks just ranting about it, and then suddenly, ranting, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it was rants. And then suddenly, we we met Sally, and we and yeah. suddenly we our our our, prior, our personal learning network just grew, and now we're, we're friends with Ed, and like you start yeah. seeing all these people, Lori and Lucy, like all these people that we're talking to and interacting with, we're not alone, people in this Tvet, mm-hmm. we're not alone mm-hmm. thinking that we're educators. And just that empowers me to know that I just want to shout it out from the mountaintops more now, because I know that I got people in my corner that realize that I'm an educator, that we're all educators. We're not just trainers. Yeah. Ed.
2: Yeah. I think it's pretty much the same thing. I mean, we, you know, we, we, even if we, even if we're getting to a bigger group, it's still we have those little conversations with people are our, our, our colleagues at work. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes those are the, the best, conversation, the water cooler conversations, you know, or, or between offices talking about stuff. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's where you can uh, start to change the mindset. I mean, my biggest thing too, was just to kind of announce myself, I am a professor, mm-hmm. I'm an educator. Yeah. And then, and then then, it, then it's, then it's, well, what do you teach? Well, I teach plumbing. And then you know, kind of give like, you said that kind of weird, like I said, well, you know what? there's a lot more to plumbing than you think. It's just, I'm not teaching plumbing. Yeah. I'm teaching theory. I've got mathematics and stuff behind it. And to kind of show this stuff that's behind it, we'll start to change the people who are not in that mm-hmm. area as well as people who are in vocational type training. And I, I shouldn't even say that. Now I'm, I'm going to curse myself for even using that word or Educa- <laughs> educators, right? And we have Educators that happen to teach a skilled trade. Right. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, and just have those, and, and realize, you know, what, what, what these careers involve and how much training is involved. I mean, mm-hmm. I think sometimes people don't realize um, what it takes to to be in a skilled trade, right? So yeah. um and so just to open their mind to that and realize, oh, there's a lot that goes on, you know. Mm-hmm. Um it's you know, so uh, you know, people don't just have to fall out of high school and, and become a plumber or become an electrician. There's stuff behind that that makes them yeah. become who they are, right? And I think yeah. that'll open a lot more eyes to the fact that, yeah. You know, okay, these people are educators, right? So yeah,
0: yeah, that's a really good point. And and um, <laughs> I, I often I often caught myself early on in in my career. People would say, "Oh, yeah, so what do you teach?" And it's kind of like you'd be like, "Well, I teach plumbing and pipe fitting and steam fitting and gas fitting." And they just kind of look at you and go, "What you do? What I didn't know they taught that." And I'm like, well, where do you think people learn how to do this stuff? And and um and then you start running into well, you know. 'Cause I don't I'm sure you guys face this too in high school. Well, you know, if you're if if you don't think you're a good fit for university, there's always the trades. Yeah. And I'm like, we need to stop saying that. Mm. Trades is not a consolation prize, right? And 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 even and it became clear to me as I started getting into higher education and started integrating with um, more of those who work in the in the high school system, just just the physical location of the trades departments in high schools compared to some of the STEM classes that, that go on. And I know that some of it's logistics and, you know, you you don't want to place an 1800 pound machine on the third floor in a school because it might fall through the floors. I get that. But even, even the fact that all the trades at my high school were down in the basement, right. And, and all the math and the science and, and uh, physics and chemistry, they're all on the third floor. Like, and, and all the humanities are on the second floor. Like if you really wanted to, to make a go in life, you needed to be on that third floor. Cause that's where all the, the, the successful people were going to be. And you know, all the grungy, you know, students who quote unquote, weren't going to make it ended up down in the trade level. And I got to tell you out in the trades. Yeah, sure. There are some people who pick trades because they knew university wasn't going to be a track for them, but more often than not, I work with a lot of trades people who are super smart, mm-hmm. super smart. And and some of the best and some of the best ones that I learned from um, were were in that category, and that 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 sparks me probably more than anything. Is people go well, you know, you can always go in the trades. It's like, hold on, time out, time out. Um, this, and I write out a simple little math formula and Chad, you could probably do these to your cows come home, right? But write out a simple little math formula from gas fitting, and somebody said, like, well, what's that? And it's like, oh, well, I use that formula to make sure I don't blow up your house. <laughs> right and they're like what and 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 it's just to prove that you know not every trades is dumb i'll just say it out loud yeah. on live on youtube yeah. there we go yeah. not every trade person's dumb and because i but, know that in the white coll- white collar world there are some people who aren't very smart either um mm-hmm. and and oftentimes i say this too that there really isn't a lot of difference between the white collar world and the blue collar world it's just the white collar world they're able to hide it easier the blue collar world, for some reason, for one reason or another, we love to wear that on our sleeve. We're not afraid to say sometimes what we're thinking. And sometimes that gets us into a lot of trouble, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, rubbing shoulders. That's, that's what I found out. Chad, you were going to say
1: something. I I always have something to say. I can't remember what what I was going to say. though.
2: (laughs) Uh... Uh, I was going to say something with it. Uh, uh, at my school, we, we, we do like, a, we do a little survey when the, the first year apprentices come in for the first time to for yeah. in school training, uh, yeah. in school training, I just hit the training again. Um, <laughs> um I start by my tongue. Um, we're going to beat that out of you before we get the next so, session. We do like a little survey, like about, you know, what, what they've learned so far. They've been in the field for pr- roughly about a year, you know? So most of them have probably been, you know, chasing coffees and whatnot, but yeah. it's interesting. We have, we have an education piece questions and, every year I'm, it just keeps growing that I'm more and more surprised how much different backgrounds people have. People have changed careers. Like the education mm-hmm. that some of my uh, my new apprentices have, it was amazing. I'm like, my yeah. God, I think they have more education than I do. Right. I'm like, and, I yeah. kinda, and then the first time I, I saw it, I started seeing, it, I thought to myself, like, what are you doing here? I, even as an educator, I said, what are you doing here? Right. And he goes, no, I really enjoy this. And I really, and I, and I understand how valuable this is how good of a career it is. Yep. And I also, I also appreciate once they're done, they also say, or even before they begin, I appreciate how much education is behind this that that the average Joe, even my, myself would probably when I got my degree or my diploma would not appreciate, but I do appreciate now. Right. So, and I know that even now just before I went to, into teaching, I was surrounded by guys that had like so much education. Yeah. They were in their car hearts. They were muddy and dirty and stuff you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe how educated you would, uh, the normal assumption, you know, would be, Oh, that's just some, you know, there's some guy who couldn't make it through, you know, college, right. He's, he's off to be a, he's off to be a a trades person. So.
1: Yeah. I'm saying, I agree. I see it more and more. Every, every foundation course I teach, like entry level (laughs) trades training, Mm -hmm. I have like people that have their BSEs. I've got two guys that have their bachelor's in my course right now. So yes, I get some that are straight out of high school, but I'm always seeing the ones that have gone through that and then decided that they didn't want to work in an office or they couldn't find an office job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it is, it's changing that the whole demographic is changing. And I love the perspective, absolutely love the perspective that they bring to the (laughs) class as well, because they bring a seriousness to it to them. It's not high school, it's post-secondary education. And they help me as an, as an instructor, as an educator with the students that think it's just going to be another shop class from high school.
0: Yeah no that's a good point and and I've noticed that specifically in the night school classes that I've taught in in the trades departments where like Ed you make a really good point I like I've, I've had I've had people from uh, countries like Russia and India China who've come in with like mechanical engineering backgrounds, Mm -hmm. right? Like they've, they've got those certifications and qualifications in their home country. They come to Canada, they find out that they got to go through, you know, multiple years of upgrades just to be eligible to write the exam. Um, and you know, I could rant on and on about the system, how it, how it lies to them to get them in. And then once they're in here, it traps them. Um, but I've got these people in my class and I'm like, dude, you've been to school almost as long as I've been teaching. <laughs> and and here I am going into, you know, the basics of electricals, <laughs> right? And it's like, um, you're probably more apt to teach this than me, but anyway, let's hold on and, and we'll, we'll do this. Right. But, and, and yeah, bringing a whole different perspective to the classroom is, is phenomenal. So in the last few minutes that's remaining, um, for those that are, are tuning in now, thank you for, for tuning in, taking the time and those who are going to listen to us later uh, to wrap it up with practitioners and philosophers. If we had a room full of educators right now uh, and you had one minute to say something to encourage them slash challenge them, Chad, what, we, what would you say?
1: Get out there and figure out where your community of practice is. And by that, I mean, find fellow trades instructors that are going to work with you and and don't silo yourself. I've learned so much in my relationship with like Tim and Ed, there's things that we can share amongst each other, practices, that sort of thing. So I know I'm not, I'm not trying to say that social media is the answer, but get into Twitter and start expanding your personal network there. Get into LinkedIn, expand your personal Mm -hmm. network there. You would be amazed at the connections you make, the friendships Mm -hmm. and the relationships I've formed from those two social media sources, using them, not just to tweet pictures of my dog, but to actually talk about the stuff that I'm wrestling with. Right. So get, get a personal learning network going. It's life changing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Ed, same question.
2: Yeah, I I would agree with there with Chad, but also I would say, uh, don't be afraid to, you know, jump into something like a little PD session that the the college might be offering or you see somewhere Mm -hmm. online jump in and, and, you know, I mean, I want to do bigger things and, you know, bigger degrees and stuff, but it's, don't, just don't be afraid. Take that little small step and just try something out new. And who knows, you might, you might learn that one little bit of nugget that you can move forward in your practice. Right. So, mm-hmm. and uh, as an educator, so don't be afraid to jump in and just try something, try a little session, you know, what's, what's an hour out of your day or two hours of your day. I mean, we all, we all waste a lot more than that. So, <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Awesome. Well, We're coming up to the the time we want to, we want to honor that. And uh, thanks again for those of you who've tuned in. Thanks to you who are listening, watching at a later time. Uh, We have two more sessions today. Uh, So Pacific daylight standard time. That's not right. Pacific daylight (laughs) time been a rough morning. What can I say? My coffee cup is not quite big enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at, uh, at nine o'clock we have a student experience, uh, session. And then at 11 o'clock we have tools and tech. And I know that one is going to be knocked out of the park. Uh, cause, uh, it's going to be awesome. Thanks Ed for being the impetus, uh, mm-hmm. catalyst you, for, for putting this together. And, uh, good on you for that it's it's an honor to be to be here with you guys and uh anyway we'll take care and we'll sign off and we'll catch you uh at uh, nine o'clock our time you betcha see you in an hour bye. bye take care bye hey everyone thanks again for taking the time to listen to our podcast we understand that there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there and taking the time to listen to ours, we're just thankful and and very grateful that you've done that. And so you can find show notes on my website, praxispedagogy.com. This live session, as well as the two others that were done, can be found on my YouTube channel, Praxis Guild. We have some show notes. For this episode, you can go and check that out on the website, PraxisPedagogy.com. We have lots of other episodes there as well. You can check those out. Next week, Sally, Chad, and I are going to sit down and we're going to talk about the great Canadian training gap. And in between now and then, there's going to be a bonus episode of the third live session. And we'll release that soon. So you can have that bonus session between now and next week. Thanks again for listening. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, please do. And would you do us another favor? If you found some value in this and you like this podcast, please share it. Tell other people about it. Share it on your social medias, at the water cooler, through the next Zoom session, whatever that's going to be. Uh, Spread the word. We want to increase the amount of people who participate in this guild of practitioners, because again, we're here to center our praxis and our pedagogy to help us become better at what we do. Thanks again. Take care.